Elise Lucci show. I'm Elise Delucci, and we are live from my living room on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Remind me that I should never take singing lessons or think I should take up a career in musical theater. Anyway, it's episode 22. We are talking about is COVID killing your relationship? Why we delusionally think that he or she is going to change? Because newsflash, they usually don't. Um, a chocolate cookie recipe. It's chocolate crinkle cookies. You definitely have seen these cookies around before at the holidays. They're so good. I have that recipe. Um, One of my favorite new books that I just got, um, a product recommendation. So relax, sit back, take a sip of your mojito or hot cocoa, and listen to me, Elise. Okay, fact of the day. Do you want to know the craziest thing? I almost didn't believe this. Before alarm clocks were around... There were people called knocker-uppers. No, knock-uppers. There were people called knock-uppers. Did you know this? This was a job. A job, was, it was called knock-uppers. And they were people that would literally knock on people's windows and doors to wake them up to go to work. This was popular in the 40s, 50s, right up until the 1970s. Isn't that crazy? So, I mean, we have alarm clocks, or now obviously our phone alarms, but maybe in 1960... You hired a (laughs) knocker-upper. And these people, they would use hammers. That's right, soft hammers, rattles, anything. They're, they're, you know, a little knock-knock-knock to to be able to get people to wake up in the morning. Isn't that crazy? I mean, talk about an unplanned expense. Can you imagine going through your Rent, food, milk, you know, because I think they had milkmen then. You know, um, transportation, whatever babysitter oh knock her upper because we can't get up in the morning it's hilarious to me it's a fact so how are you how's your week i put my tree up all its glory i bought a fake tree last year and uh, i'm so happy i did it because the trees in manhattan are just ridiculously priced like they're like at least a hundred dollars for a tree at least and then you know if you want one that's like kind of apartment friendly size you know maybe like five and a half, six feet, six and a half feet. You know, you don't want anything bigger because you might not even be able to get it through the door. Those trees are way more expensive than the ones that say eight feet because nobody wants those. So I would maybe go out and I would buy a tree, a real tree, um, every year. And I, I felt like it was just a waste. And now I bought this fake tree at Michael's. I use a 40% off coupon or whatever. And I love it. I'm so happy. Um, did you put your tree up? Everybody's doing it early. And I might have mentioned this, by the way, a few episodes ago, so I apologize if I did. But I'm looking at it right now as I'm sitting in my Lazy Boy, which I love, and I am just like, it's bringing me joy. It's bringing me joy looking at this tree. And I'm so happy that I put it up. I'm just so happy. Okay. You're never going to believe this. This week, not only did I put my tree up, I'm talking to my daughters, you know, and you know what they said to me? Well, actually, I heard them talking. So I hear them talking amongst themselves, and they're talking about um, saving money. And I thought, oh, you know, how lovely. So I say, oh, girls, what are you talking about? And they say, oh, nothing, mommy, nothing. And I'm like, no, no, tell me what you're talking about. And they say, mommy, we're talking to each other about how you're saving money to buy us another room. And I was like, what? I was like, I'm saving money to do what? And then she thinks, buy us another room. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, can you clarify? And basically what they told me is that they, they know that I'm saving my money so I can buy them more rooms as in rooms in a house, as in the apartment next door, as in they're insane. (laughs) 
I'm like, what about mommy saving her money to buy a Barbie? How about that? Or a Barbie dream house? Or, oh, I don't know, college tuition? But saving my money to buy you extra rooms like a playroom, a den, or a cigar lounge, or whatever the hell you think we're going to have, ain't happening, kids. Kids, they just say ridiculous things. They really, really do. Like, they also told me how, uh, why do I have to spend my money on such boring things like food? Why do you have to spend your money on such boring things, mommy? Like food. Food and fruits. We don't like fruits. We like cookies and chips, which is French fries, you know, in their world. It's just, it's just exhausting and it never ends. Anyway, one of my girlfriends, she went on a date, uh, uh, a Tinder date. A, t- a pandemic tender date, and the guy said to her, you know, so they're at, at dinner, and he said, they, she, he's like, t- she's saying what she's looking for, and, and, and she goes, you know, how about you? And he goes, I'm just uh, I'm just looking for somebody to uh, go to the movies and eat pizza with. And she laughed. She thought, like, oh, that's so cute. Me too. <laughs> and and he's like, no, I'm, I'm just looking for somebody to go to the movies and eat pizza with. And she's like, yeah, well, I mean, me too, especially because we're realizing what's important now in life, and it's not really, like, doing all these fabulous things or wanting all these things. I'm just really looking for a companion too. And he's like, no, no, I am looking for somebody to go to a movie and have pizza with. Like, that's it. Like, like no sexy time, no intimate conversations, nothing. Just a movie and a pizza. I mean, like, really, you know what? And when she told me, I said, well, this is why he's still single, isn't he? This is why he's on Tinder for the last four years, okay? And by the way, he should go on, like, another app, miserable, you know, app, other than Tinder, because last time I checked, I thought Tinder's the, the sexy app. I, unless he's a freak and he likes to do movie sex and pizza sex and then, you know, whatever. You know, I'm missing stand-up these days. I, I, I miss doing stand-up. It's, it's sucks. It sucks so bad. All the clubs have been closed. I, I probably said this before, too, but the clubs, they've been closed now for going on nine months in New York. I've done a few um, spots. I did a few shows here and there in Staten Island and New Jersey, but nothing else, because, you know, nobody's booking anything. I uh, I have a friend in Tennessee, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's a New Yorker. He lives in Brooklyn. He's a comic friend of mine. And he actually moved down there during this pandemic uh, because the clubs were open down there, and he's doing stand-up. So he asked me to uh, if I want to come down in January and um, do a couple sets. So, um, you know, maybe I will do that. But to think about getting on a plane and going to Chattanooga to do a couple sets of comedy – in January, just because I can't do them here in New York seems pretty desperado. But I mean, that's, that's what us comics are doing. Well, we're just doing nothing, but you know, comedy, uh, is a muscle, you know, doing stand up is a muscle. Like you got to practice it. The more you practice it, the better you get. Uh, if you don't practice, you sort of lose it. You know, it's like the six pack I never had, you know? Anyway, chocolate crinkle cookies. Do you know about these? Literally, if you Google them, You'll see tons of recipes for them, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. They're so good. I just love them. They're, you know the brand Archway? Do you know that brand Archway? They make these cookies, Dutch chocolate. Oh, my God, I love them. They're hard to find in the city, but Archway Dutch chocolate cookies. They're like, it's a box. They have eight cookies in the box. It's, I don't know, maybe a couple dollars, and they are so soft and chewy. I love them. I can eat the whole box in one sitting, but these chocolate crinkle cookies remind me of that, but they're homemade. And they're just as good. Actually, they're better. They're better than that because um, they have powdered sugar on them and, you know, you know all the ingredients and all that stuff. So this is how you make them. Two cups of granulated sugar, a three-quarters of a cup of vegetable oil, three-quarters of a cup 
of uh, cocoa powder. I use Hershey's. You can use dark cocoa powder, whatever you have. Four eggs, two teaspoons of vanilla extract, two and one-third cup of all-purpose flour, or whatever flour you have. I really don't understand what the difference between all flour and other flours are, but whatever. Two teaspoons of baking powder, a half a teaspoon of salt, a.k.a. a generous pinch, and a third of a cup of powdered sugar to roll the cookies in. This is how you make them. Combine your sugar, the granulated sugar and oil in a large bowl. Add in the cocoa. Beat it till it's well blended. Beat in the eggs and the vanilla. Get it all blended up in your blend your, your mixer or by, by hand. Then you're going to stir in the flour, the baking powder, and the salt, and you're going to slowly add the cocoa powder to this as you as the machine still is going or you're beating it with a hand mixer or whatever. And then you're going to cover the bowl, cover the bowl with some saran wrap, plastic wrap, whatever, and refrigerate the dough for about six hours. You want it, the dough to be firm so you could you know roll it into balls and handle it. <clears throat> so about six hours in the fridge. I would say four hours is even fine. And then when it's done, heat your oven to 350, grease up a co- cookie sheet, you know, with the spray or butter, whatever. Um, or, of course, if you have parchment paper, lined in parchment paper. And then all you're going to do is you're going to take the dough and you're going to start to make one-inch balls with the dough. And then you're going to take that powdered sugar that you have. You're going to put the powdered sugar in a big old plate. And then you're just going to roll these balls, these one-inch balls, in the plate. Just roll them all through. And then you're going to place each powdered sugar cocoa ball about two inches apart on the greased baking sheet. And that's it. You put it in the oven for about 10 to 13 minutes. You know, you got to see how hot your oven gets. And, and that's it. And when they come out of the oven, you want them to cool, but um, you want them to completely cool. But you'll see that the cookie melts down and the powdered sugar sort of makes this crinkly, uh, cracked looking thing on the cookie. And they're so good. They're so good. My kids love, like literally love them. I totally recommend. So, are you in a relationship? Boyfriend? Husband? Because is COVID killing your relationship? It's it's not killing mine, I have to say. It is not killing mine. I thought it was, at one point, killing mine. Because we just didn't see each other a lot. And I just thought, what the hell is going on here? You know, whatever. But we also, you know, like, were very slow to have be, be in a relationship with each other. Um, you know, I was married... Uh, and divorce, and I didn't want to rush into anything, and he, you know, also just didn't want to rush into anything, so we were very slow, very deliberate with getting into something with each other, but, um, but, and I think that when COVID happened, I just thought, you know what, like, uh, what's the point, you know, what, I, and I thought that COVID was killing it, not because we were having bickering or arguing, getting each other's faces, just because, like, we weren't going to see each other anymore, you know, but, um, everybody, Everybody, everybody I'm talking to that's in a long-term relationship is just losing it or they are like, or they're, or they're, um, you know, angels and they've come together in this time and they're working great together. But you know what? For my friends that are in Manhattan, that's a lot harder because we all live in small spaces here. So if, you know, both parents are working from home and you got the kids working, you know, doing the school from home, it's just really, really hard. So, um, I'm curious to know how that's going for you. And by the way, there's an app for this that I found called Relationship Hero. 
You can look it up. I, I when I looked on it, so someone told me about this app, and I looked it up on the app store. It doesn't have a lot of reviews. It only has a few reviews, but it's literally like a group couples therapy session slash one on one sessions with counselors. I don't know how much it costs. I don't know anything about it, and I never used it. But but like everything, there's an app for that, and this is called Relationship Hero. But it's like, you know. I, I, I don't know. I either think I think a lot of relationships are going to sink or they're just going to swim. You know, it's funny because um, my divorce was, you know, uh, finalized, you know, before, way before all this stuff happened, way before. But I was on the phone with my mother months ago. Maybe it was, I don't know, seven months ago when she said something like about, you know, you got just got divorced at the wrong time. Like, look at all this stuff that's happening. And I didn't say anything to her. But actually, I disagree. Because imagine if I didn't get divorced, you know, when I did. I mean, and, and then you, you, you're in an unhappy marriage and you're quarantined and or you're on, you know, like this lockdown or whatever. I, I, I would go, I would have been crazy. I would have been crazy. I'll tell you that much. I wouldn't be doing a podcast. That's for damn sure. Because I'd have no privacy, you know. But... I think the best thing that I heard for couples in this time is, you know, you think about if you're together, you love each other, you're, you're, if you're in the house together 24-7, so obviously if you're a live-in couple or you're married, is that you have to set a schedule. You know, the, uh, my friends are saying, if you want your relationship to work, at least what worked for us is that we set a schedule and we have a structured plan for every day. Like, you know... I work in one room, he works in the other room. The kids are maybe in the kitchen. And then you, we also have times of the day where one of us goes out for our own walk or does our own thing outside the house, whatever it is. It really just has to be a walk, they said, because there's not a lot, nothing else really to do. Excuse me. Um, and then some of my friends have penciled in time to, to have small talk with their partner, you know, in the evening when every, everything is settled after dinner and all that stuff. But, you know, Overall, the biggest thing that I'm hearing from my friends is that they're saying you have to be able to say to the partner, your partner, and vice versa, things like, look, I really need to be alone for four hours. I have this presentation to do. I'm going to close the door. I, I need you to not bother me, you know, for that amount of time. And, um, you know, and if, if that, if you could do that, that, that winds up being successful. And I get it. I totally get it because, I mean, that, that sort of approach is much better than saying, you're making me fucking miserable. I need you to get the hell out of my face, you know? In some ways, um, it's really hard, I think, like living alone in this time, you know, with the kids and whatnot, because it's just it's all pressure on myself and my ex, you know, depending on who has the kids, at, uh, you know, what days we have the children. But, but, um, but if I was in a relationship, my God, that, that would just be just equally as difficult because I, I don't I don't know like in a living relationship I think that would be really difficult I just I, I don't know what I would do um you know the other thing is like you 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 literally like at each other's throats I would imagine right I mean like how do you not get aggravated with each other I mean like at this time, I would think like if somebody's putting the pencil down in the wrong way, if somebody's leaving the toilet seat up, if somebody's not doing the laundry, if someone's getting up and not making the bed because they wanted to stay in late, like, I, oh, 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 I feel, for, I really, I feel for you. I feel for you, wherever you are. Um, I feel for my friends that are trying to navigate through this thing. I know, I know a ton, a ton of people that are saying that they are going um, to get a divorce when this is over, you know, COVID divorce. 
sucks. It re- it really, 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 it really sucks. I don't, um, I don't envy you guys. It's just, uh, what do you do? You can't, you really just can't do anything. You just got to sort of band together, I guess, right? Anyway. And by the way, let me tell you, I have another friend. She's married. They have uh, an older son. And he, he insists on hanging out with his friends. Um, and the parents do not want my, my girlfriend and her husband. They don't want him hanging out with the friends because of, you know, who's not wearing a mask or who's wearing a mask. And that was sort of how they were for the first maybe six months with this whole thing. And then the father started to ease up my friend's husband. He said, you know, it's okay. Like, let him go. Let him go hang out with his friends. You know, whatever. It's fine. Nobody's going to get anything. The virus sort of mutated. No one, you know, nobody's dying anymore from it, all this kind of stuff. And my girlfriend is like, are you fucking kidding me? She's like, no, I still do not want him hanging out with his friends. They're irresponsible teenagers. They're not wearing their masks. They're just running through the streets. Like, no, I don't want. And now my friend and her husband, they're having problems because they can't get on the same page with this, um, should their son go hang out or not hang out and all that jazz. And, um, you know, so it's not even necessarily, I think, about, I don't even think it's necessarily about uh, the, the the problem of getting in each other's shit all day long. I think it's also about how your kids and, you know, the older kids. Oi, oi. Anyway. Why are so many of my friends and your friends and us too, dealing with people that we know are not going to change, but they say they're going to change. Or actually, let me say that. We do, we meet people and they're not that great. They're not that great, but we want them to change. They might, they may hint at the saying that they can change, but we're delusional and we keep them around. Why? Isn't this crazy? Let me tell you something. I was going through my iPhone notes the other day. I found this note that I wrote to myself. It was so pathetic. I, I, I said that I was transcribing something from a diary. So I, I must have been in my early 20s or something. Um, I don't remember when the iPhones came out and how old I was. But anyway, and basically I uh, wrote in this note that was transcribed from a diary um, that I, I said, you know, I'm sitting out here and I'm what I was basically talking about, I guess, someone I was dating at the time. I said, I'm sitting out here. And I'm watching you from afar and you've totally ignored me for hours. And all you keep doing is going get drink after drink after drink. And I'm just thinking, I'm just going to wait this out because eventually it'll be my time. This is what I wrote in my early 20s in a diary. Is that not freaking pathetic? I don't even know what version of that, of myself that is. But it made me so nauseous and angry when I read it. I transcribed this to my iPhone notes and I just read it on my phone a few days ago and I was practically gagging. I was practically gagging. And, but then it made me realize everyone does this. Everyone at some point does this. I don't know if everybody's so, you know, desperado daisy to go sit or say, you know, see, see somebody presenting themselves from afar and saying, it will be my day one day and it'll be my chance. I don't know if we're all doing that, but, but the reality situation is that we get together with these people and we think, nah, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like that. It's okay. I'm going to I'm gonna be able to change them one day. And what the hell does Maya Angelou say? What does she say? Famous quote. When somebody shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Now, look, I really think that people can change. I really do think that, that, that men and women, they can change if, they're, if they have certain tool sets and if they're in therapy or whatever. 
But if you are with somebody, say, that's a vegetarian, okay, and you are a giant steak lover, I do not think that something like that is going, you're not going to be able to make that kind of change, okay? I think if you have somebody that argues with you all the time, like challenges you on every single thing, I do not think that that kind of quality is necessarily going to go away over time. And I have been there, done that. I mean, you know, listen, my marriage, as great as it was, also ended for a reason. So what I learned, I learned some signs for myself that if I meet somebody and I like them um, and I see some things that I like and some things that I don't like, because look, every, no, you know, there's no such thing as perfect, right? There's no, no, no person is your, your own version of a utopian paradise, you know? I mean, that just doesn't exist. It's a myth. But I have... I have um, found some signs that I, I sort of keep my antennas up for. And it's, um, I'll tell you what they are. It's uh, if the person's not a good communicator, that's a huge thing. If you, I don't care about certain things, but if you're not a good communicator, it's just not going to work because I need to talk. I need to talk and I'm going to need to talk it out and I'm going to need to find a way to communicate with you. And if you do not have this tool set of communicating, that's no good. If you're not, um, uh, overly, I shouldn't say overly, if you're not um, emotive with your feelings. So I have this a little bit here and there in my current relationship, but I think it's also like a guy thing is, you know, guys aren't going to necessarily be so ex- have expressive displays of emotion like us girls always. But, uh, you know, if the person just shows you no emotion, that's a problem. That's a problem. So th- there's a sign there. Do they have a history of cheating? Another sign. Are they, do you always feel like they're looking for the next best thing? They always have that, you know, the ear to the ground. Are they, do you ever hear them talking about apps and, oh, they should have tried this app or, oh, experimenting with this or whatever? And how about if they, and I think maybe the one other thing is um, if they can't commit to anything. So it's like, look, if you can't commit and you're not going to communicate and you're not that emotive and maybe you've cheated in the past, I'm done. Because I am not going to be delusional and tell myself that you are going to change because you can't. You just can't. You cannot. I think, like, there's other things, you know, that maybe maybe people could change. Like, I mean, I don't think vegetarianism, veganism, and uh, carnivores. But I, but I think that, like, you know, maybe even talking about where to live, you know, where to settle down, um, you know, those kind of things. I think that those are things that they, you could change. I think, like, obviously having certain pastimes together, that could change. But... I mean, so many people, so many of my friends, they meet these guys and they're just like, nah, it's, it's okay for now. But cause I know eventually I'm going to, I'm going to get them. Where, where you get, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you, what, what, get? Ugh. I don't know. I think as I get older, I'd rather be alone. I'd rather be alone than deal with your, your shitty nonsense bullshit. I, I can't handle it. You know? Anyway. Okay, so I uh, I got this new book. I um, I was actually I was at my ex husband's house. I was um, picking up the kids, and he had this book on the counter, and it's called How Not to Die. The book is called How Not to Die by Michael Greger. Greger G R E G E R Michael Greger. He's a doctor. So I'm sitting at the kitchen. I'm in, I'm sitting at the kitchen. I, I see this book on the table, and I'm looking through it, and I'm like, Oh, this book looks so good. 
And my ex says, he goes, you want it? I said, I can have it. Why? I said, you don't want it? And he says, no, I actually ordered two by mistake. Why don't you take it? And he said, it's totally fine. I said, oh, okay. And I love it. I have it in front of me right now. First of all, it's a huge book. So I'm, this is my product. This is my product of the episode. It's huge. It's, um, let me see if it open. It's like 700 pages. It's a paperback. And basically, it's about how foods are scientifically proven to prevent and res- reverse diseases now. I just want to go on the record and say I believe in modern medicine and I am one of these people that I think if you have a problem, I think that you should go to the doctor and they, they, we have modern med- medicine for a reason. That is my own personal belief. But I do believe in alternative medicines. I do believe in the food being healing. And what I love about this book is right at the top, I, I, ha- like, I don't know if you can hear it, I have it open, right at the top in the table of contents, it says how not to die from heart disease. That's a chapter. How not to, to, how not to die from diabetes. You know, obviously, it's keeping with the, the name of the book, how not to die from breast cancer, from depression, you know, on, on, on. And basically, as you go through these chapters, it talks about the foods that you can eat um, or the vitamins and nutrients that come from certain foods that, that fight against these diseases um, or ones that can hurt or, you know, uh, inflame these diseases. Now, look, you know, my ex-husband's not a doctor. Um, this is not something that... I don't even know, but it's not like he's like, at least this is the Bible. You should take this home and you should study it and live by it. But I am really interested in this stuff. I'm fascinated by this book. Um, it was reviewed by the Dalai Lama, um, by the Financial Times, by the Daily Mail. Um, and it's just it's just so good. It's a long book. It's not a book that I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read at my leisure. It's a book when I, 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 you know, I feel like, I guess, doing a little research. So um, that's that. How Not to Die. By Michael Greger, I think it's a I think it's a great book. Uh, also, to give somebody for the holidays, a family member if they're into foods or if somebody's um, just into holistic stuff, I I think it's a good idea. Okay, question from the audience. I kind of touched on this a little bit, I, I guess, because I knew this question was coming. Um, hey, Elise, what piece of advice would you give your younger self? <clears throat> That's a question. Okay. Um, what piece of advice? So, well, I know, like I said, I I have less patience, right? So like, I I guess I would tell my younger self to have, to not, not be so patient with things that aren't important, right? Like that's, that's something, but I feel like that's a little vague. I think what I would really say is, so I was bullied. I was really bullied when I was young. I, um, for whatever reason, my family, uh, we moved from Brooklyn to Staten Island. I was a little girl, and there was these kids on the block, and they were horrible to me. They were they were like literally awful, nasty little bitches. All I wanted to do, though, was play with them, and I had this sort of funny-sounding voice, and I was, I think I was like a year or two younger than, whatever it is, just child's play bullshit, you know, and they were just nasty to me. And then as I got older, I, I, I was continued bullied, whatever, for, I don't know. It was always had to do with my voice. Isn't that so funny? And now I, I, I go on stage and I just talk or I'm on this po- I'm podcasting, talking. But I, I, whatever reason, I was bullied and it was terrible and I hated it and I was very nerdy and I cared so much. I cared so much. I was so desperate to be, um, to, I was so seeking approval. I was so just wanting to feel like I belong. I just wanted to feel like I was included. Um, it was so, oh my God, I just, I hated it. Um, and it wasn't until um, I had a teacher in high school, and um, she was super cool. She was super different. She was super, super alternative. Um, she was into all these really 
great, cool things. She was like into theater and poetry and all this stuff. And she once pulled me aside and she said, Elise, like, who gives a fuck what these people say? She's like, you, you know, you have all these talents. I was always like into the arts, like painting and, you know, theater, whatever. And she's like, you have all these talents. And I like to write. She's like, you have all these talents. Like, who cares? Just do your own thing. Be your own person. And when she first told me that, when I first met this teacher, maybe I was in freshman year of high school, I was like, mm, yeah, whatever. But as the years went on um, in high school, I really started to believe it. And then I was just like, fuck that. I'm going to be exactly whoever the fuck I want to be. I'm not going to give a shit about any of these people. And that that is the advice I would give my younger self. If I could go back in time, I would tell younger little Elise, you know, a little six-year-old Elise, seven-year-old Elise, these kids are bullying you. Who gives a shit? They're going to be big, fat, miserable miseries when they're older. Who cares? Do your own thing. Be unique. Not conform. That is what I would tell my youngest self. I think I grew up. I think I eventually grew into that advice. That is what I would tell my youngest self. That is it. Do not care. Do your own thing. Keep it moving. Don't pay attention to people that are being nasty. Don't pay them any mind. That's the advice. Quote of the day. By Ann Landers, at every party, this is funny, at every party there are two kinds of people, those who want to go home and those who don't. The trouble is they're usually married to each other. Ha <laughs> ha, Ann Landers said that. I love that. So thanks for listening to episode 22 of the Elise DeLucci Show. And remember, I'm loving reviews because I need them to grow. Tell your friends Send them the link. I don't know. Whatever. But thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so appreciative of everybody that listens to this. Um, I can't believe it. I have over 7,000 listeners already. <laughs> it's so crazy to me. Um, I only started this, like, I don't know, a couple of months, two and a half months ago, uh, three months ago, and I love doing it. So thank you for listening, um, and thank you for watching if you're on TikTok. And I am coming soon to a city near you um, whenever this god-awful – COVID ends. So again, episode 22 is a wrap of the Elise DeLucci show. I hope to see you soon on TikTok or on Instagram, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Ciao, ciao.